This is the State of Things. I'm Frank Stacio, soon-to-be-retired host of this show, spending my last few days in this role listening back to some of my favorite conversations over the past years. Today, I want to take you back to my early days with the show, back when I was just filling in. I heard about a hip-hop group from North Carolina called Little Brother, and this was 2003. They had just broken through with a video on MTV and the release of their first record, The Listening. Yo, WJLR, Justice League Radio, good morning. It's your boy Sean on the back twister holding it down right now. You know what I'm saying? Tonight at the hideaway, my boys, little brother, Big Boo, Fonte, and Knife Wonder, they doing their thing. Shows hosted by Legacy, better known as Leggy Hendrix. You know what I'm saying? So come check them out, it's gonna be live. Stay tuned this afternoon for my man Big Dope for the afternoon traffic jam, playing all the banging hip-hop joints. You know what I'm saying? So keep it live. Little Brother made up of Ninth Wonder, Fonte, and Big Pooh. They were just starting out back then. Little Brother got back together for a surprise show last year, and you can hear more of that story with Anita Rao's recent conversation with Fonte. But let's go back to the beginning. Before Ninth, Fonte, and Pooh each went on to greatness in their solo careers that included Grammy Awards and nominations. I started the interview asking how the three of them met. Uh, we all met in uh, North Carolina Central in 98. Eight. Uh, ninth, I met him through an issue of The Source magazine. He had an issue of The Source, and I was just like, yo, let me see that. And so uh, he let me see it, and we were looking through it together and saw that we were giving praise to some of the same people and bashing some of the same people as well. <laughs> so we saw we liked a lot of the same people too, and so we just formed that bond. And uh, just from that point on, we just stuck together. So I told him yeah. You remember so, the oh, first yeah. time you actually rapped together? Uh, uh, yeah, it was... Wow. Uh, God, what, 99 probably? Yeah, 99. 90, late 99. It was just, uh, we were all in my room together, and uh, we were just freestyling, just, you know, improv, I guess, yeah. for the uninitiated. What did it sound like? It it worked. I mean, yeah. it was good. It wasn't, um, we never thought it would go to this, it would come this far, but that was when we realized it was something there, and so I knew we were going to always work together in some capacity. So you, you we say, just never saw it would be like this. You say you were kind of freestyling. You don't remember what it was. Can you can you recreate that? What oh, did... man. <laughs> <laughs> that, no, that, no, that might not be what can't, you want. You can't recreate that. <laughs> you can't do the radio version right now. Uh, nah, nah. <laughs> only hard. got the house mix, huh? <laughs> did you guys rap in the dorms? Oh, yeah. All the time. All the time. Yeah. And, All the uh, time. How did the how did the other folks in the dorms receive this? Oh, it was good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We were um I mean, we all had reputations around campus as being anybody that rapped, I mean, they knew us and like if you wanted to get your respect or whatever, you had to come to one of us. So did you do gigs, parties and things like that, uh, at college? Um, yeah, we did a yeah, couple home covers. Talent yeah. shows and stuff. And talent shows just wherever wherever there was a, a forum for us to be heard, we would jump into it. You know, talent shows, uh Man, we did a lot of shaky gigs. <laughs> we did a lot of stuff. We did like some weddings and bar mitzvahs and like. Wait, bar mitzvah? <laughs> nah, we don't think we did a bar mitzvah. But we did. We did some questionable gigs. Like if, if VH1 got a hold of it and put it on in the air, it'd be real embarrassed. What do you mean like, questionable? Oh man, uh, we did a gig one time at a uh, at a coffee house. It was it was uh, a showcase for poets. So a lot of the poets in the area came out. And they, you know, they did a little poetry thing. And so then they had a segment where we performed. And it just didn't go good because a lot of the language we were using was just really kind of colorful. I mean, we're not like, you know, 
it wasn't no two live crew or nothing like that. You know, it wasn't just, you know, but, you know, we were just talking like how we would regularly talk. And a lot of the people in the audience were just, they, they were just they looking at us. They weren't ready for they that. They weren't ready this for that. This wasn't fog creeping in on little cat's feet. Nah, nah, it? <laughs> nah it was none of that. We, look, was, we looked like gerbils in the cage on the cycle yeah. running. That's, people that's just how they, looking at us like we were lab experiments or something. That didn't go over too good. That didn't go over too good. It was just, it was bad. I, your first single is called uh, Whatever You Say. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's listen to that. Whatever you say, whatever you say. I usually play the background. You know, clean cut, soft spoken, well dressed, dipped out, straight chilling when I'm in the club, yo. Sipping the Sprite with the ill lemon mixed in it. Sipping on it, I was just chilling till I saw you. That's when my heart stopped. Knees gave hair, sweating jaws locked. I was sweating you like, goddamn, girl. Now, there's a, there's a real sense of fun in that piece. Yeah, it wasn't like, it wasn't a conscious effort. Like, we sat down and, like, okay, this is the blueprint for the album we're gonna have a fun track here and the serious track here and it was just it was just really organic man just really uh raw emotions. yeah just a real intuitive process just kind of just going with what we felt at the moment just making the music that we wanted to hear and just staying true to our vision for that how much of that intuition do you think is is intuition about the audience about knowing what people are going to like it's a good question a lot of it i think it um a lot of it had to do with just um because I mean, first and foremost, before we're rappers, I mean, we just fans of the music. You know, we love the music, so we know the type of people that we grew up listening to, and you know, the type of sound that we wanted to hear. We know it's a lot of people, a lot of a lot of other listeners who were missing that sound. So with us making that record, we made, we knew it would connect with a lot of people who were missing that early '90s. You know, Tribe Called Quest. You know, the Roots. That kind of just real fun and organic sound. So a lot of it did have to do with knowing the audience and knowing. Not only what we want to hear, but knowing that that is also what a lot of other people want to hear as well. Just knowing music in general, as far as I mean, every every genre of music where you're talking about country, rock and roll, hip hop music, there's a certain element of of songs that draw you to that song. Like the lyrics, if the lyrics are good, um, if there's a message that you bring across the message properly, uh, the chorus is an easy chorus to follow. Is a memorable chorus. You know, so it's just things that we knew just for listening, not only to hip hop music, yeah. but to all types of music. Yeah, there are other elements of other music. I mean, I can hear jazz strains, a, a, a tune, for instance, like "Make Me Hot." Uh, I mean, that <laughs> that's got some influences that to me sound uh, a little more, a little more jazz driven. Yeah, everybody talks about that song. And it's so funny because it was a big joke, but like, <laughs> I mean, that song was like twenty minutes. Seriously, just we it took did us twenty it. minutes to do. Right? Yeah, it was just a real quick, like, fun song. They, the track number is a skit. They love it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, but what do you mean a skit? It like was a, just like an interlude. It, it wasn't. Interlude. It wasn't like a real song. It was just like a little playful little <laughs> skit that we just threw on there, and people we perform it live. Song. Yeah, we perform it live. Like we added, we had to add it to the show because we had such a big response from it. What surprised you about the response to that song? I and mean, what are people saying? Because I hear, I hear a little Stevie Wonder. I mean, I'm almost hearing Duke Ellington. And oh wow! Uh, it was just um. I don't know. I guess the fact that being that it's something that we just made like so quick and just to see people, you know, latch on. Yeah, to latch it. on to that. Whereas it's like, God, well, you know, this song here took us four hours to do. Why ain't you like that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's just one of those things, man, where you just never know. And that's and to me, that's one of the beautiful things just about doing music. You never know how an audience is going to take something. Something that took you 15 minutes can hit. 
the audience the same way as something that took you four hours to make. I mean, and that that spontaneity of it, man, and that you know unpredictability of, of just music. That's what keeps me well, going. Then how do you work together? I mean, what's your inspiration? Uh, each other. I mean, yeah, a man. lot of times it's each other. I learned a lot from both of these guys. I was I'm the youngest of the group, and I probably knew the least about music coming into the situation. And my my drive is a lot of times is to to just improve to show them hmm. that I am improving. You know what I'm saying? To show them that I'm learning. So. Uh, and then, of course, uh, what also drives me is the paychecks. <laughs> That'll be right. yeah, no, always right. Yeah. Well, do you schedule sessions together to rehearse, get 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 numbers down? We have not rehearsed for a show no. yet. Yeah. No. <laughs> like it was, I want we something we wanted to do, but just time, man. We never rehearsal ends yeah. up being the show, the show before. <laughs> the well, show. how do you put your? What, how do you compose though? How do you get your pieces put together? No, uh, you were talking about music and the, and the influences, so I'm thinking that there's a time you have to sit down and is it a composition I mean, project a process or is it an improvisation process? Uh, sometimes it's you know it's you know I'm riding down the highway and I come up with an idea. I may call Fontaine, call put like, what do you think of of this? And we might one show we might come out to a nice ballad, walk out to a nice ballad. There's been a couple of shows we come out to. We will rock you by Queen. Yeah. So it's like. <laughs> It you know it it all depends it it really all depends on where we're performing uh, who we're performing for yeah. and and a lot of stuff is impromptu mm-hmm. a lot of it a lot of it is even like in the studio I mean most of the time we're um when we record actual songs uh, ninth he'll come up with a beat and he'll give it to us me and Poole sit down and figure out where we want to go with it as far as you know conceptually and uh, we'll just write to it and the song is probably about 80% done once we come to the studio as far as just, you know, the actual lyrics. Then once we get in and actually lay the lyrics, we get to hear it. And then it's, that's when like the mixing process begins. And it's like, okay, well, what if we do this, take this, you know, drop the snare right here, move this over. I mean, so that's pretty much how it works, man. A lot of stuff is, it is prepared, but we just try to still keep that element of surprise and of, and of just, you know, kind of just free-flowing ideas in it as well. Grinding for the day that we controlling it now. To the break of dawn, to the break of dawn. Close eyes, just open up your mind, baby. The blind lead the blind, make the grind crazy. Why, maybe? Just co-sign, baby. Median would like to know your mind, baby. Jay Lizzie's about to blow your mind, baby. Lunch time, crunch time, punch lines, baby. Our time now, what is that, a crime, baby? Shorty hit the brakes too late. Did you ever have a song where, say, Ninth, you came up with an idea, passed it on to these two, and then they say they came back with something so different it just shocked you? No. Have we had that happen? I'm trying to think. No. No. Um, mm -mm. That's fine. Most of the time it's pretty, you know, it's not like if he gives us a beat, a real slow beat, and he think we gonna rap about our moms on it and we end up rapping about killing people or something. It, 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 don't, it don't happen like that. Yeah, if, 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 it, that if it does happen, it's probably just something minor, or something minute, you know, so. It's never, it's never just that night and day. Little Brother on the State of Things from 2003. My conversation with Ninth Wonder, Fonte, and Big Pooh continues in a moment. Stay with us on the State of Things from North Carolina Public Radio, a broadcast service of the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill.
This is the State of Things, broadcasting from the American Tobacco Historic District. I'm Frank Stacio, taking you back to 2003 when I spoke with the then-up-and-coming rap group Little Brother. The North Carolina-based group had just released their first album, and their video was playing on MTV. They were starting to pick up a lot of national attention, and in the years since, Ninth Wonder, Fonte Coleman, and Big Pooh each went on to have highly successful careers in the music business. As this segment began, I asked Ninth Wonder about the production process. Mm, well, um, as far as the beats are concerned, I can do that from home. I have a, a record stack, and it starts with the sampling. And if the sample is too loud when, in the beat that I have, by the time we get to the studio, I might may need to turn it down and, and Fonte and, you know, so you hear Fonte and Pooh in the mm-hmm. song. So it really sounds like one big song as opposed to a drum track, a sample on top of that, yeah. lyrics on top of that. So it sounds like one piece, like it all came, supposed to, you know, all came together. So yeah. How does that all get mixed? Computers. And, you know, it's all from just the feel of what you hear. You know, you really can't. Any any machine is no machine is going to teach you creativity. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. really have to listen, and and really you know pick out was the bass too loud or is the lyrics are too loud, and you know that's where me and Fonte and Pooh come together on that. Then what happens in live performance? Uh, live performance is um kind of the same thing. You know, a rising action climax, and then you know like like it's an actual event. It's not just we actually have a show, and not just okay, let's just do ten songs and you know get away. This is our next song. Yeah, you know what I'm saying <laughs> we have an actual show. So just doing um in our live shows, we'll just have the set list together. Um, we'll just all sit and Ninth Hill uh, put it together on his laptop. We burn the CD. We also have like records that we'll you know Ninth will scratch in and mix during certain parts of the show. And uh, that's how it works, man. It's just real. It is sketched out. It's kind of like the studio. A lot of it is sketched out, but if in the middle of a song, it's Pooh is feeling something, and he's like, you know what? Stop that. I want to do this. We'll just go with it. If it feels good, you know what I'm saying? We we just go with it. Then how do you get from the house mix to the radio mix? Uh, A lot of times, um, we have to clean up uh, songs. (laughs) And, you know, I take the blame. A lot of that is my fault. You know, my my language can be kind of colorful, to say the least. But... uh, a lot of times we just put it in uh in the computer and you can either take it like take the words and you can reverse it mm-hmm. um and just you know spin it backwards or you can just take the word out completely uh some producers you know they like to get real you know put bells yeah they'll look put like little horns mother <laughs> you know i mean they'll like do all kind of little effects and whatever and i mean that's cool too but basically you just have to just take the word out or whatever if it's an obscenity just take it out so that people can't hear it well, obscenity is part of the uh, of the rap, I guess, that rap music gets. A kind of a bad rap in, in the media. Uh, you think that's fair? No, I don't no, think it no. is. Um, it's obscenities have become part of everyday speech. I, I consider what we like how we use obscenities as conversational curses. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> it's like sometimes, like you know, they're there. But if you if you get into a good vibe with the album, it just it like goes away because you think you're actually having a conversation with a person, mm-hmm. so you miss it. You're like, oh, oh, he said that. Yeah, that's when, yeah, when that's that? all the part. So, that's that's just all the part in keeping it honest. You know what I'm saying? And just really portraying who you are. I mean, if I if I got on the mic and I'm rapping, you know, I was I was sitting with my friend Big Pooh, my esteemed <laughs> colleague, and we were chatting. Nah, you know, I mean, we we don't talk like that. So you know what I'm saying? So I mean, just that rawness that comes out, I mean, that's just who we are. 
You know what I'm saying? Well, the other half of the criticism, though, is that uh, on the keeping it real front, there are some people who are driving some very big cars and doing very well talking about being poor and living on the streets who aren't just just are not doing that anymore. Nah, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, people are more about selling you a lifestyle. It's not really about really selling music anymore. You know what I'm saying? It's, I used to think that, that it was just about, you know, if you can take a quote-unquote underground rapper and put him on a commercial beat and think that it'll sell, but... It's not believable, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. When people buy a, a record, they want to, music is their way to escape, so they want to do more than just hear your music. They want to become a part of your life. And if your life isn't interesting, you know, whether it's if you're talking about, you know, I've got 10 Bentleys and this, that, and the third, or if you're talking about, you know, I eat wheat grass and I go to peace rallies and yeah, I save whales, you know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> if, if that's not interesting, then people aren't gonna buy it. So that's where a lot of that comes in, man, while people talking about, you know things that they don't necessarily live because their real lives aren't interesting. Well, you guys are are getting pretty close to the big time now. Are you starting to feel pressure to sell a lifestyle as well as the music? Sell our own lifestyle. Sell our own lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people out here um, in in North Carolina, South Carolina, that um, really respect what we do and what we talk about. I mean, we talk about our lives. You know, we're blue collar rappers. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah? Yeah, really. you, you got a song called Speed that does something like that. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> that was just a time where me and Pooh were just both working jobs that we hated. And we knew we wanted to do music, but we just didn't have a way. You know, everybody kind of reaches that point where your passion, you know, it's like your passion versus, you know, what you got to do to pay the bills. Yo, check it. Another data face. I'm shed cropping in this paper chase. Take a deep breath and clear my database. It's afternoon. I'm talking this shit to my alarm clock because I got to face this. A capitalistic onslaught Don't stop when I jump in the whip Trying to get it off Beltline got me rushing like Barishnikov Pushing 80 miles an hour to this call center Trying to pick up a check I only see 20% of until the weekend It sounds crazy when I'm saying You talk about writing about your own lives Doing music that's about your lives You know, we hear a lot about East Coast rap We hear West Coast rap But I, I don't hear much about Piedmont rap <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, is that? I mean, can you do that? Is it difficult to come from? <laughs> it probably will be difficult, but I mean, with with us, it's just we just take what happened in our lives and we rap about that. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest compliments that we received on the album is that we sound like we could be from anywhere. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like your typical being that we're from the South. People expect us to do the dirty South, you know, crunk bounce or whatever. And um, it's it's not that, man. It's just us being who we are and that kind of just creates that sound of people not really knowing we could be from you know west coast east coast kansas or wherever texas yeah we just try to make good music well there's one song in this album i think gives away where you're from it's called the way you do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> that gives it away that gives it away Uh, that's mandolin. You big Bill Monroe bluegrass fans? <laughs> Not quite. Nah, Bill nah. Monroe <laughs> didn't didn't quite make it to him. <laughs> nah. But but you do have. I mean, are there influences? I mean, is there something about being from this region that's going to make you sound different than than growing up on the West Coast or East Coast? Mm, well, yeah. Um, I guess just kind of. If if anything, I would just say just the hunger of wanting to prove ourselves being from this region. There hasn't really been a whole lot of rap from this region. 
uh, to come out and be nationally accepted. Um, a lot of people from our area, it's just kind of like, okay, North Carolina, all right, whatever. You know, so if anything, I would just say just the hunger of wanting to really put our state on the map as a musical force and show that, you know, good music does come out of the state. That, that if anything, is what I would say would make a difference in our sound. You guys have toured. You just got back from Boston. Is on the road a lot? Uh, yeah, we are. Um, we haven't really been on a tour you know, official tour, all out tour, like gone for six weeks straight, anything like that. But we do a lot of spot dates, which turns, which could be a very, very spotty, crazy, <laughs> hectic process, you know. And uh, so we end up being on the road more than, more than probably we would we would have liked to. Like, when well, you got a you got a song on the album called uh, "Groupie Part Two. <laughs> <laughs> that suggests maybe you don't, uh, or you do, or uh, I let <laughs> him song, take that one. Uh, I let him take that one. I, I, I wrote that song. That's my solo track on the album. It's when I wrote that song. It, it's just I was just uh, talking about um, you know people who who latch on to you. Um, they want to latch on to you after seeing a little bit of success you have, and they expect. Um, like now people expect me to have the big lavish car, the big lavish house or whatever, to live a lifestyle that I don't live. And now when they didn't have anything to do with me prior to knowing what I do, now they want to, oh, we love you, big pool. Oh, boy, you know, I, and, and, I, and I'm just like, nah, it's, you know, I, I don't, I didn't see you before, you know, my success. So I, I don't, I don't really want to have nothing to do with you now when you didn't give me the day. Or night or time to do, you know. <laughs> so that's that's what Groupie was about. You know, well, is that is that part of what you end up wanting though for yourself? I mean, how do you? Is that something that you want for yourself? Do you want the big car? Do you want that kind of attention? Didn't you know that was going to happen? Yeah, I knew it was going. I expected it to happen. Uh, not this soon, but I expected it to happen. Uh, I'm not really a, a frivolous type person to get the big lavish things. You know, I'm, I'm a simple person, but. I mean, you know, I, I want to look nice. Yeah, know? everybody, yeah. I mean, you know, everybody wants, you know, to have something. You know, everybody wants to be secure, you know what I'm saying, for themselves and for their families, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I have a son, so, I mean, I certainly want to make sure that he's able to attend school, and luckily this music is a way for us to do that. So, you know, I mean, everybody, you know, wants a, a nice house, nice car and everything, but as far as me going out and spending, you know, two million dollars on some platinum shoelaces or something i mean that's just yeah, that's just ridiculous yeah that'll get you in chapter 11. So. and it's no <laughs> it's no better feeling that um that you can support your family on doing what you love there's a million people in this nation that goes to college and they stay for a long you know doctors and lawyers they get their first day of, uh, of you know residency or whatever and like and realize and they say, hate what they do i don't like this you know what i'm saying so <laughs> it's really every day to make the money do. you know on there's no better feeling. You know, we do this because we love it, and this is our job, and we love our job. But you talked about the image and the lifestyle being a big part of the music in right. terms of the industry, industry side of it. Uh, can you be a success if you don't have that story to go with it? I, I judge success on my own terms. You know what I'm saying? I mean, for me, if 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 our career never gets any bigger than this, I mean, I've made it because this is all I do. All I do is music. We were able to work our way out of working day jobs and jobs that we hate. So. I'm making it right now, and I mean, I'm cool with that. You know what I'm saying? So to me, I'm a success. A lot of people thought we couldn't do it, thought I couldn't do it. So 
I'm feeling good. So right, that's right success now. on my terms, man. Right. Yo, I bought a brand new album today. Decided to take it home, kick off my shoes, relax and play, and spend it for the whole joint. Cause I like to get the whole point. Music is everything to me. I refuse to rock the piece, cause you my favorite MC. All I want is what you would ask of me. High quality is some definition. Wonder why we bootleg like it's prohibition. It's difficult, it's dismission. I got suspicions that your ears to the street when we whispering. Are you listening? listening I took your LP to DC. Let me go around the table and ask you if you came to school thinking that you were going to form a rap group and, and go into performance like this. Pooh? I didn't at all. I actually didn't want to go to college. I had, I had the grades and everything to go, but I didn't want to go, and someone made me go. And, uh, Who I, was I that? Just, a good friend of mine, uh, his mother, she actually made me go to school. She uh, No, of course, my mother made me go also, but they, the two of them together, they, they forced me to go to school, but... Uh, I, I I didn't know what I what I wanted to do when I came to school. I just I just came to school and you know people say you go to school to find out what you're going to do you know later in life and I found out I wanted to do music for the rest of my life. So Fonte, yeah, uh, for me I didn't. I always knew I wanted to do music just from you know day one. I mean music just always been in my life. So um, for me coming to college, I didn't think that I would be in a rap group, but. I knew that I was just going to college just to get a degree. Like, whatever I got my degree in, it's just like, okay, I'm going to get my degree to make my mama happy, but I'm going to still make some music. <laughs> you know, so that was pretty much it for me, man. I didn't think I was going to be in a group, but I all I always knew all my life I wanted to do music. Nine? Uh Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I came to school um, to teach, um, to teach high school or to teach on a collegiate level. That's what I was going to school for. But I still had a love for uh, uh, music, and you know, I was in a high school band and, and middle school band, so I had the music was there, the music was in my soul. But at the same time, I wanted to teach and I wanted to reach people. So now, what better way to do it is I can do music and reach people at the same time. And hopefully, down the road, I can, on a collegiate level, teach hip hop like it's supposed to be taught instead of through media, instead of through all these other things, so people can really understand our art form because a lot of people really don't. They really don't. What is it that they should understand that they don't? You think? Man, um, I think they should understand that it is an art. I mean, I don't know. A lot of people, like, just look at what we do and, like, you know, they'll see Knife scratching records and, you know, or, or see us, like, sampling from other records. And it's like, you know, that's not art. That's not art. You know, that's not. But, you know, that, I mean, it is. It's like the beauty in being able to take the bluegrass record that you were talking <laughs> about, to take a bluegrass song and flip that into a hip-hop song that, a lot of you know black people are gonna be dancing to who have probably never heard or will never listen to a bluegrass record. It's beauty in that, man, and that's the art. You know what I'm saying? And people should respect that. So that's what I think people should understand, man. And just a lot of things. We I was having a discussion the other day with a friend who was talking about like live instruments in hip hop, and it's like you know that's cool, but the soul of hip hop was based on breaking the rules. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. it was based on stealing other people's records. You know what I'm saying? I mean, now, I mean, this, you know, we have laws and there's a way to legally do it and make sure that those <laughs> artists get paid, which they should uh -huh. get paid. But, you know, th that's hip hop, man. I mean, hip hop was all about just being raw and just breaking the rules and adapting because, yo, we, I wanted to learn to play piano, but my mother couldn't afford lessons. So 
we had this turntable, I could scratch records, you know what I'm saying? So that's what it was all about, man, and and that's the beauty of it. Well, how much of the misunderstanding do you think is a cultural misunderstanding? It's all about maybe misunderstandings between cultures, let's say between black and white. Um, uh, Like as far as a lot of us carry guns and, oh, that's a hip-hop <laughs> concert and, yeah. you know, <laughs> really? and don't go over there because it's going to be a fight. and it's it's That's through all co- types of music, rock music, hip-hop music. You know, all types of music has has a renegade who pulls a bad crowd. I mean, that's that goes without saying. So, as far as the 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 violence that's attached to hip hop, like saying Biggie died because of hip hop and Tupac died because of hip hop, uh, you can't say that. I mean, can you say Kurt Cobain died because of rock and roll, or yeah, mm-hmm. or you know, you can't say this died because they chose to do this, and it wasn't because of the music they chose to do yeah, it that those way. Those are the people who that they were. You know what I'm saying? So. I mean, you can't save nobody from themselves. You know what I'm saying? If you were a heroin addict, before you, and, before yeah, you picked up a guitar, you, a microphone, a turntable, yeah, you now, be a heroin addict. Yeah, you just you a get guitar help. playing heroin addict now. You know what I'm saying? And it's not to knock Kurt Cobain. I mean, it's not against him, but you know, you are who the music is not going to save you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Whatever kind of demons you have or whatever kind of problems you have before you become a rapper or a lawyer or a doctor you or whatever, you still going to have it. It's just it's just that the music the field that we're in, we're we make our mistakes on a very public scale. So <laughs> when, when, we, public. when we mess up, the world knows. You know what I'm saying? So that's just the that's just the hard part about it. Ninth, you talked about wanting to teach this at the college level. Is is this being taught? Is rap being taught anywhere at the collegiate level? Um, only two places that I know about. Um, it's um, in Seton Hall and the University of uh, I think it's Cal State Berkeley that teaches uh, hip hop um, on a collegiate level. Um, that's about it. I mean, I want to bring it, you know, so so people can really understand what we do. It's a very intricate process, and this hip hop is not true. Hip hop is not anything that you can teach overnight. I mean, you know, you can't you can't come home with me and I can show you this regular. This is something you have to. It's a culture. Have, it's it's a culture. You, you have to grow it. You have to live it. It's something you have grown up. It's like you can't. I would never be able to understand country music overnight. I mean, I know might know some country music music artists, but. To really understanding the feel of a good country song, I probably would never understand it because I didn't grow up in it. Hip hop is the same way, same way. And part of it is talking about the experience that you're living, and right now you're on public radio. So if you had to <laughs> rap about your public radio experience and improvise at the moment, what would that sound like? Oh man! Uh, wow, man! Uh, <laughs> can you can you do something? Oh man! Uh, putting you on the spot. Yeah, it's it's cool. Uh, yeah, yo, check it out. Check it out, all right. Yo. All right. What's your name again, man? I forgot your name. <laughs> Frank. Frank. All right. All right. Yo. While I'm here, I'd like to thank WUNC and my man Frank and Beverly with the British accent, Fonte off of the top. And you know, I kicked the fast kid on NPR, National Public Radio, Little Brother Justice League, and the way we go sitting, recording my voice on cool edit. Best believe we got love, we about to spread it. Peace to everybody listening. Cop the album and CD, check the TV. You might see me on MTV with Carson Daly and Sway, Fonte, Big Cool, Ninth Wondering. Hey, we like to say, What's up and peace to everybody. Thanks for the support. We gonna rock the party for each and everybody. Keep it going on and on to the west, to the east. Peace. (laughs) (laughs) Fonte, Big Poo, Ninth Wonder. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks a lot, man. 
Fonte Coleman, ninth wonder and Big Pooh, known as Little Brother. They were just starting out back in 2003 when I first spoke to them, but you knew they were headed for greatness. As they left the studio that day, I said, you know I'm going to be able to say I knew you when. Well, they went on to make multiple successful albums together and each also built successful solo careers that have included Grammys and Grammy nominations. And I have to confess there was a moment in this conversation when I felt a little like Ed Sullivan talking to the Beatles. And I really enjoyed that conversation. North Carolina Public Radio is a broadcast service of the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. I'm Frank Stasio.